0: Section 5 of The Great Events by Famous Historians, Volume 4. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Great Events by Famous Historians, Volume 4. Edited by Charles F. Horn, Rossiter Johnson, and John Rudd. The English Conquest of Britain, A.D. 449-579, by John R. Green if we look for the fatherland of the english race we must as modern historians have clearly shown direct our search far away from england herself in the fifth century of the christian era a region in what is now called schleswig was known by the name of anglen but the inhabitants of this district are believed to have comprised only a small detached portion of the ingle while the great body of this people probably dwelt within the limits of the present Oldenburg and Lower Hanover. On several sides of Anglin were the homes of various tribes of Saxons and Jutes, and these peoples were all kindred, being members of one branch, Low German, of the Teutonic family. History first finds them becoming united through community of blood, of language, institutions, and customs. Although it was too early yet, to justify the historian in giving to them the inclusive name of Englishmen, They all, however, had a part in the conquest of England, and it was their union in that land that gave birth to the English people. Little is known of the actual character and life of these people who made the earliest England, but their Germanic inheritance is traceable in their social and political framework which already prefigured the national organization, that through centuries of gradual development became modern England. Out of the early modes grew the forms of English citizenship and legislation, and the individual and public freedom which has slowly broadened down from generation to generation. Later came the modifying, if not transforming, influence of Christianity, replacing the ancient nature-worship which they took with them to their new home. On these foundations, the English race, as it has grown up in the land they made their own, and in other lands to which like men and institutions have been carried, has reared its various structures of nationality. Of the three English tribes, the Saxons lay nearest to the empire, and they were naturally the first to touch the Roman world, before the close of the third century indeed their boats appeared in such force in the english channel as to call for a special fleet to resist them the piracy of our fathers had thus brought them to the shores of a land which dear as it is now to englishmen has not as yet been trodden by english feet this land was britain when the saxon boats touched its coast the island was the westernmost province of the roman empire in the fifty-fifth year before christ a descent of julius caesar revealed it to the roman world and a century after caesar's landing the emperor claudius undertook its conquest the work was swiftly carried out before thirty years were over the bulk of the island had passed beneath the roman sway and the roman frontier had been carried out to the firths of forth and of clyde the work of civilization followed fast on the work of the sword To the last, indeed, the distance of the island from the seat of empire left her less Romanized than any other province of the West. The bulk of the population scattered over the country seem, in spite of imperial edicts, to have clung to their old law as to their old language, and to have retained some traditional allegiance to their native chiefs. But Roman civilization rested mainly on citizen life, and in Britain, as elsewhere, the city was thoroughly Roman. In towns such as Lincoln or York, governed by their own municipal officers, guarded by massive walls, and linked together by a network of magnificent roads which reached from one end of the island to the other, manners, language, political life, all were of Rome. For three hundred years, the Roman sword secured order and peace without Britain and within. And with peace and order came a wide and rapid prosperity. Commerce sprang up in ports among which London held the first rank. Agriculture flourished till Britain became one of the corn-exporting countries of the world. The mineral resources of the province were explored in the tin mines of Cornwall, the lead mines of Somerset or Northumberland, and the iron mines of the Forest of Dean. But evils which sapped the strength of the whole empire told at last on the province of Britain. Wealth and population alike declined under a crushing system of taxation, under restrictions which fettered industry, under a despotism which crushed out all local independence. And with decay within came danger from without. For centuries past the Roman frontier had held back the barbaric world beyond it, the Parthian of the Euphrates, the Numidian of the African desert the german of the danube or the rhine in britain a wall drawn from newcastle to carlisle bridled the british tribes the Picts as they were called who had been sheltered from roman conquest by the fastness of the highlands it was this mass of savage barbarism which broke upon the empire as it sank into decay in its western dominions the triumph of these assailants was complete the Franks conquered and colonized Gaul, the West Goths conquered and colonized Spain, the Vandals founded a kingdom in Africa, the Burgundians encamped in the borderland between Italy and the Rhone. the East Goths ruled at last in Italy itself. It was to defend Italy against the Goths that Rome, in the opening of the 5th century, withdrew her legions from Britain, and from that moment the province was left to struggle unaided against the Picts nor were these its only enemies. While marauders from Ireland, whose inhabitants then bore the name of Scots, harried the west, the boats of Saxon pirates, as we have seen, were swarming off its eastern and southern coasts. For forty years Britain held bravely out against these assailants, but civil strife broke its powers of resistance, and its rulers fell back at last on the fatal policy by which the empire invited its doom, while striving to avert it the policy of matching barbarian against barbarian by the usual promises of land and pay a band of warriors was drawn from this purpose from jutland in 449 with two elder men, hengist and horsa at their head if by english history we mean the history of englishmen in the land from which that time they made their own it is with this landing of hengist's warband that english history begins they landed on the shores of the Isle of Thanet, at a spot known since as Ebsfleet. No spot can be so sacred to Englishmen as the spot which first felt the tread of English feet. There is little to catch the eye in Ebsfleet itself, a mere lift of ground with a few great cottages dotted over it, cut off nowadays from the sea by a reclaimed meadow and a seawall. But taken as a whole, the scene has a wild beauty of its own. To the right the white curve of Ramsgate Cliffs looks down on the crescent of Pegwell Bay. Far away to the left, across grey marsh levels where smoke wreaths mark the site of Richborough and Sandwich, the coast-line trends dimly toward Deal. Everything in the character of the spot confirms the national tradition which fixed here the landing-place of our fathers. For the physical changes of the country since the fifth century have told little on its main features at the time of Hengist's landing. a broad inlet of sea parted Thanet from the mainland of Britain, and through this inlet the pirate boats would naturally come sailing with a fair wind to what was then the gravel spit of Ebb's fleet. The work for which the mercenaries had been hired was quickly done and the Picts are said to have been scattered to the winds in a battle fought on the eastern coast of Britain. But danger from the Pict was hardly over when danger came from the Jutes themselves. Their fellow pirates must have flocked from the Channel to their settlement in Thanet. The inlet between Thanet and the mainland was crossed, and the Englishmen won their first victory over the Britons, enforcing their passage of the Medway at the village of Aylesford a second defeat at the passage of the cray drove the british forces in terror upon london but the ground was soon won back again and it was not until four sixty five that a series of petty conflicts which had gone along the shores of Tannet, made way for a decisive struggle at whippet's fleet here however the overthrow was so terrible that from this moment all hope of saving northern kent seemed to have been abandoned and it was only on its southern shore that the britons held their ground ten years later in four seventy five the long contest was over and with the fall of lima whose broken walls look from the slope to which they clung over the great flat of romney marsh the work of the first english conqueror was done the warriors of Hengist had been drawn from the jutes the smallest of the three tribes who were to blend in the english people but the greed of the plunder now told on the great tribe which stretched from the elbe to the rhine and in 477 saxon invaders were seen pushing slowly along the strip of land which lay westward of kent between the weald and the sea nowhere has the physical aspect of the country more utterly changed a vast sheet of scrub woodland and waste which then bore the name of the andreds weald stretched for more than a hundred miles from the borders of kent to the hampshire downs extending northward almost to the thames and leaving only a thin strip of coast which now bears the name of sussex between its southern edge and the sea this coast was guarded by a fortress which occupied the spot now called pevensey the future landing-place of the norman conqueror and the fall of this fortress of Anderida in 491 established the kingdom of the South Saxons. aela and Sissa beset Anderida, so ran the pitiless record of the conquerors, and slew all that were therein, nor was there afterward one Briton left. But Hengist and Ella's men had touched hardly more than the coast, and the true conquest of southern Britain was reserved for a fresh band of Saxons, a tribe known as the Govises who landed under Serdrick and Sinric on the shores of the Southampton water, and pushed, in 495, to the great Downs, or Gwent, where Winchester offered so rich a prize. Nowhere was the strife fiercer than here, and it was not until 519 that a decisive victory at Chartford ended the struggle for the Gwent, and set the crown of the West Saxons on the head of Serdrick. But the forest belt around it checked any further advance and only a year after Sharford the Britons rallied under a new leader, Arthur, and threw back the invaders as they pressed westward through the Dorsetshire woodlands in a great overthrow at Bradbury or Mount Baden. The defeat was followed by a long pause in the Saxon advance from the southern coast. But while the Gavises rested, a series of victories, whose history is lost, was given to men of the same Saxon tribe the coast district, north of the mouth of the Thames. It is probable, however, that the strength of camelodunum the predecessor of our modern Colchester, made the progress of these assailants a slow and doubtful one, and even when its reduction enabled the East Saxons to occupy the territory, to which they have given their name of Essex, a line of woodland, which has left its traces in Epping and Heinald forests, checked their farther advance into the island though seventy years had passed since the victory of ellsford only the outskirts of britain were won. the invaders were masters as yet but of kent sussex hampshire and essex from london to st david's head from the androdsveld to the firth of forth the country still remained unconquered and there was little in the years which followed arthur's triumph to herald that onset of the invaders which was soon to make Britain England. Till now its assailants have been drawn from two only of the three tribes whom we saw dwelling by the northern sea, from the Saxons and the Jutes. But the main work of conquest was to be done by the third, by the tribe which bore that name of Angle or Englishman, which was to absorb that of Saxon or Jute, and to stamp itself on the people which sprang from the union of the conquerors as on the land that they won the angle had probably been settling for years along the coast of northumbria and in the great district which was cut off from the rest of britain by the wash and the fens the later east anglia but it was not until the moment we have reached that the line of defences which had hitherto held the invaders at bay was turned by their appearance in the humber and the trent the great river line led like a highway into the heart of britain and civil strife seems to have broken the strength of British resistance. But of the incidents of this final struggle we know nothing. One part of the English force marched from the Humber over the Yorkshire walls to found what was called the Kingdom of the Dyrans. Under the Empire, political power had centered in the district between the Humber and the Roman Wall. York was the capital of Roman Britain, villas of rich landowners studded the valley of ouse and the bulk of the garrison maintained in the island lay camped along the northern border but no record tells of how yorkshire was won, or how the angle made themselves masters of the uplands about lincoln it is only by the later settlements that we follow their march into the heart of britain seizing the valley of the don and whatever breaks there were in the woodland that then filled the space between the humber and the trent the Ingle followed the curve of the latter river, and struck along the line of its tributary, the Soar. Here, round the Roman Rittay, the predecessor of our Leicester settled a tribe known as the Middle English, while a small body pushed farther southward, and under the name of South Ingle occupied the Ulytic upland that forms our present Northamptonshire. But the mass of the invaders seemed to have held to the line of the Trent, and to have pushed westward to its headwaters, Repton, Lichfield, and Tamworth, mark the country of these Western Englishmen, whose older name was soon lost and that of Mercians or men of the march. Their settlement was, in fact a new march or borderland between conqueror and conquered, for here the impenetrable fastness of the peak. The massive Cannock Chase and the broken country of Staffordshire enabled the Britain to make a fresh and desperate stand. It was probably this conquest of Mid-Britain by the Angle that roused the West Saxons to a new advance. For thirty years they had rested inactive within the limits of the Gwent, but in 552 their capture of the hill fort of Old Sarum threw open the reaches of the Wheelchair Downs and a march of King Cuthwulf of the Thames made them masters in 571, of the districts which now form Oxfordshire and Berkshire. Pushing along the upper valley of Avon to a new battle at Barbary Hill, they swooped at last from the uplands of the rich prey that lay along the Severn, Gloucester, Chirinchester, and Bath, cities which had leagued under the British kings to resist this onset, became in 577 the spoil of an english victory at dearham and the line of the great western river lay open to the arms of the conquerors once the west saxons penetrated to the borders of chester and Euriconium, a town beside the reckon which had been recently brought against to light went up in flames the raid ended in a crushing defeat which broke the west saxons strength but a british poet in verses still left to us, sings piteously the death-songs of Iraconium, the white town in the valley, the town of white stone gleaming among the green woodlands. The torch of the foe had left it a heap of blackened ruins where the singer wandered through the halls he had known in happier days, the halls of its chief kindling, without fire, without light, without song, their stillness broken only by the eagle's scream. The eagle who has swallowed fresh drink, heart's blood of Kinlan, the fair. With the victory of Deerham, the conquest of the bulk of Britain was complete. Eastward of a line which may be roughly drawn along the moorlands of Northumberland and Yorkshire, through Derbyshire and the forest of Arden, to the lower Severn, and thence to Mendip to the sea, the island had passed into English hands. Britain had in the main become England, and within this new England, a Teutonic society was settled on the wreck of Rome. So far as the conquest had yet gone, it had been complete. Not a Briton remained as subject or slave on English ground. Sullenly, inch by inch, the beaten men drew back from the land from which their conquerors had won, and eastward of the border-line which the English sword had drawn, all was now purely English. End of section 5.